All right, we're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Thursday night, March 16th, 2023. You're probably listening to this on Friday, March 17th. Oh, which is St. Patrick's Day, Spenny. Oh, Lordy. Uh, my oh, name is Jake Lou. Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. And I am joined on my screen by a gentleman who I said looked like he was in a hostage video before we got going here. Anybody watching on YouTube can corroborate that in the comments down below. But he's got the uh, got the closet look going on. There's some metal apparatus kind of behind him. He's got the uh, the the toke on, as Cole Jackson would say. Uh, how's it going up in Vermont, pal? It's going well. We're uh, joining two good friends from college on a bachelor party that is joint between the two of them. They both got engaged in in true frat bro fashion right next to each other so they're they're doing a joint doint and we're up here in killington going through the mountain having ourselves a good old time so luckily got 25 inches of fresh powder in the last 72 hours so today was a a great day runs galore able to go back down into the pub and watch the university of maryland terrapins go brazy to close out the first half and get into the second half bombs Mm-mm. got a little delicious there and it was a fun time. We made a decision. So we stopped, we all slept in Albany and just randomly got hotels last night. And we went to a bar in Albany called Susie's shout out to Susie's in Albany and all decided like, let's throw a bunch of money down on Maryland. When we get into Vermont, we're not going to be able to bet. So let's just like all throw We're a couple gin I in and we're like, Oh, let's throw bills down on the Terps. And then everybody was at the pub in uh, Killington on the mountain, and the Terps were down, what, 16-4 at one point. It was like, dude, I freaking knew that West Virginia was going to blow them out, dude. This was such a bad trap. Just wait. Terps are a second-half team. And then, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. They delivered. So it was a fun day in that sense. Yeah, dude, they were. It was uh, it was quite a watch. I, I got lucky that um, Thursday's my work from home day. So thankfully, Terps get that that draw where they're on that opening salvo of games um, on Thursday. And so, yeah, I got to watch pretty much exactly as my lunch break was kicking off. And, um, you know, phone was going here and there. I was tr- trying to avoid some of them. We actually had a call germane to the podcast that I hopped on to, which was great um, a little bit after the game. Uh, so more on that later, obviously. But um, yeah, that was that was tough. I, it kind of it did. It had the feeling of well, a couple of years ago when West Virginia bounced them, um, I remember watching that in like a bar. I think that was post-COVID. I remember watching that in like a bar in downtown Baltimore. Uh, and that was just a weird experience. And it was, you know, they, I think they won a game that year too. But uh, yeah, this year it kind of, it had that revenge game feel to it. Bob Huggins obviously has been there forever. Uh, and, you know, the guys were breaking it down on the, the pod earlier this week on the flagship pod talking about press Virginia and all that kind of stuff. And it felt like Maryland was really flustered. I didn't watch as much Terps this year as I wanted to, but you know, you, you know, the big names and Juju Reese obviously came up, came up freaking huge in that last, uh, that last stretch of the game. It felt like as everyone was kind of wearing down, he was just sort of just, just getting started there. He had the, uh, the jam over, I, I forget the kid's name. And then he was awesome defensively. And then I, I think Scott had that, uh, offensive board to essentially ice the game away. There were a couple, a couple more things that had to happen after that, but it was just, uh, it was, it was quite a watch and, uh, Terps are through the next round. They're playing Alabama who smoked, I think Texas A&M Corpus Christi today. So that's going to be tough. But I mean, if any team has some bad vibes around it right now, it is Alabama. And, uh, we saw some big upsets today. So that, that might be a little bit of a matchup. I hope it is. You don't want to get hopes too high, but the beauty of the tournament is that Arizona can lose, and anyone can lose. It's any game, any day. The pressure's on start to finish, and it was a a fun outing for Maryland to kind of have their come-to-Jesus moments where they started getting into the paint and attacking and making sure that there wasn't – I don't want to say the officiating was one-sided or not, but they just got into a negative situation in both both halves, not super early, but – West Virginia getting to the bonus before Maryland did, which can so often be the kiss of death. And they made sure, especially through Juju Reese, like you mentioned, all those guys, that they were able to get into the bonus and make it a tit-for-tat kind of game and kept their composure. They banged around in the paint. They made, they willed themselves into the paint, made sure that they were going to get fouled. West Virginia started settling for outside shots a little bit more so, so... Uh, was a, a super fun matchup. Definitely delivered first game of the tournament, and Maryland fans can rejoice absolutely. So, especially with, I mean, Jameer out the entire second half, mostly with four fouls, was a kiss of death. Seven times out of ten, you know, if you told a Maryland fan 
that he was going to be in foul trouble and miss most of the second half. Yeah, it felt back. like it, it felt like in the first half he was going 100 miles an hour and it was kind of like, okay, maybe this is like a decent thing to like sort of limit his touches a little bit. And then uh, I think West Virginia's big man started getting into foul trouble too. So they were kind of missing some meat down the Unbelie- I mean, Unbelievable amount of fouls. There were, I think, 24 fouls in the second half. It They were both in the double bonus so quickly. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah. So wild game, wild officiating, like you said. Huggy Bear, always going to be a big fan of his. Uh, so sad to see him go out. But Kevin Willard, I mean, you know, the, the hire got <laughs> crapped on by a lot of people. And I was one of those people that reserved judgment. I always really liked Turgeon. I felt like it kind of had run its course there at the end. So I was fine with seeing him go. I was, I was fine with seeing him moving, seeing them move in another direction. And this year, like I said, I wasn't as tuned in because it felt kind of like a rebuilding year at times. But I don't know. It, you know, they've got a, a decent class coming in, I think. And, they, you know, some of these guys uh, prove themselves to be really good pieces for this year. So they go and they win a they win a game of the tournament. And I'm pretty satisfied with that. Was a, a big win. Big win for Willard. Big win for this era of Terps basketball. And to get to go play Alabama is a joy. That is a best case scenario. So the expectations of that game, you expect that you're not going to win. Not that the Terps feel that way, but as a fan, you're like, all right, you know, you want to go see a good game. You want to go see them fight admirably and just feels a hell of a lot better than a first round bounce against WVU. That would have been uh, generally just poor taste in your mouth to a a season that was up and down in Willard's first year. Now I'm trying to remember, did they beat WVU and then get bounced by Alabama a couple years ago. Is that what happened? Because I remember Bama like couldn't miss against them in one of those games. And um yeah, I don't know. They just, I'm 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 a little I'm a little fuzzy, so we'll 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 take our poo-poo on on that aspect. Yeah, definitely. We're we're not the uh, the Terps experts that uh, Eric and Taylor proved themselves to be the other night. Uh <laughs> that was a fun edit listening to those guys just talking talking ball, talking shop. It felt like an inside the NBA segment. So I think it was I think it was twenty fifteen the last time they played or some like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, somewhere sometime around then. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all kind of a all kind of a haze for me. It's basically like I was super dialed in in the you know, the Trimble days and all that when I was still in college. Um, and you know, when you're, you go to Salisbury, it's like, yeah, okay. I'll just root for Maryland in every sport. So that's sort of how that worked out. But yeah, I don't know. Great day for sure. Like we, like we hit on, uh, what else is going on? Free agency, man. I mean, at this point it has mostly come and gone. There's still the Chauncey Gardner Johnson's of the world. There's still Odell Beckham out there wants 15, 20 million, whatever, whatever, but hasn't been. What wasn't to begin with hasn't really been a impactful class of free agents, so to speak. And we saw the Bears make some moves, but that was also headlined by the fact that they traded down and acquired DJ Moore. So that was outside of free agency. We've seen the Falcons make major moves, Jesse Bates, a couple others. Um, to me, and I, I tweeted this, but to me, it kind of looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars are a big winner. They went out, made a lot of outside investments last year, and that turned around their competitiveness. That turned around how they felt. They made the playoffs. Christian Kirk, a signing that was widely mocked by everyone. Why did the why did the Jaguars give Christian Kirk that deal? Well, immediately turns into an impact player for them and had a vision for them. And I know that Nick Saban says the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. But I also feel like you don't pay players for what they've done. You pay them for what you think they're going to do. In and your not vision. for nothing. People were mocking that because they're like, oh, now that's going to be the new standard for wide receivers. They're all going to get overpaid like this. And then look what happened in the market this year. It's your, t- your time has come. Yeah. Your time has come. So Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Alan Lazard all get $11 million at annual average value. The bonuses, whatever. We don't have to get into whatever the guaranteed money was, whatever, twenty. 25 million, 28 million. I think Juju got 28, whatever. But to your point, you know, there is this bubble and turning on the purple tinted glasses and skewing it towards the Ravens, they didn't ever take that shot in free agency. They didn't go after Corey Davis. They did go after Juju, which I would say was like trying to take a mid range pull up. They offered him one year, 10 million. Wasn't some super serious commitment. The Chiefs offered more, the Steelers offered less. And the free agent wide receiver market has just been that volatile. I mean, over the last three, four years, who has come in and made an impact on a team? I will even, I'll count Curtis Samuel. I'll say he was impactful this past season for the commanders. 
Uh, Christian Kirk, as we already mentioned, a guy like, I guess, Kendrick Bourne, you know, Mac Hollins, I guess, to a degree for the Raiders, but Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, those guys have not come close to playing to their value. So where does that leave you? If you want to acquire a receiver, which is the talking point of all time forever contention in this fan base and about this team through the draft, or you have to trade a first round pick for one like the bears did, but that was a little different situation. Let's say like the dolphins did, or like the Eagles did. And I think that you and I both take flack a lot of times. You and I, I think try to look at why the Ravens do the things they do as opposed to the Ravens should have done this or the Ravens shouldn't have done that. What have the Ravens told us over the last 15 years? They have not traded a first-round pick for a player. They value their first-round picks. Is that good or bad? You can debate. That's open to interpretation. If you want a good wide receiver, you have to hit on one in the draft, or you have to trade a first-round pick for an A.J. Brown. Or and, a I think you, and I think you can say it's good and bad based on you know a case-by-case basis. Like You can say, like, okay, well, that was a good thing not to do it there. Maybe they could have done it there, like a Stefan Diggs, right? And there, there are examples of things that could have happened that maybe wouldn't have worked out, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think you, uh, you make a good point there and uh, continue. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's exactly right. So they haven't done that. I don't think they are. I don't think that's in the plan. And if you want to hate that, you have absolutely every right to. That can be, that is one of the major philosophical standpoints that I think the Ravens stand on that is different from other teams. I think they're in the extreme, the polarized side of we will not trade a first round pick for a player. So if you want to hate that, you you can debate on it. You can have absolutely every right to it. So um, at this point, free agency has much more or less come and gone. Orlando Brown goes to the Bengals, Marcus uh, Marcus Davenport, whatever. There's There's been some deals. But who has really, in the NFL, has anyone impacted their win total in Vegas's mind for 2023? No. The Broncos solidified their offensive line. They replaced Dre Jones with Zach Allen. Maybe they're like a big winner. The Falcons do a couple moves. Like it hasn't been very fruitful. And that, I guess, leads us into Lamar Jackson and the fact that the opportunity for offers to come in opened up on the 15th at 4 p.m. The Colts rumored to be interested. The commies go ahead and sign Jacoby Brissett and appear to be delving into that direction. There's some murmurs that the Patriots are out. So time will only tell uh, at this point. I, I have come to personally find the situation very fascinating. Lamar Jackson tweets some things out. Uh, Adam Schefter has some pretty bold, in-clarity conversations about the fact that the Ravens have made, and Ian Rappaport as well, the Ravens have made different offers, different lengths. The $133 million fully guaranteed portion seems to be sticking throughout those offers. Ian Rappaport reports that the Ravens offer $133 million fully guaranteed over a three-year period. Adam Schefter reports that back in September, we kind of get the full clarity, finally, which feels like maybe because of Jackson's ability to negotiate with other teams has led to other teams breaking that truce that DaCosta has spoken about with Jackson. So we now know $133 million fully guaranteed, $175 million in total guarantees. And then they use that fun little phrase that gets everybody all up in arms of springing guarantees, which aren't guarantees. And I don't, think they should be considered guarantees. Kyler Murray has roster bonus money in, I believe, 2025 and 2026 that the Cardinals could get out of. But when it's reported, the agents, I suppose, send to the insiders, Schefter, Rappaport, guys like those, and say, Kyler Murray has $189 million in practical guarantees. So then you hear $133 million fully guaranteed for Lamar Jackson. Well, Kyler Murray got one hundred eighty nine. million. Well, did Kyler Murray really get 189? No, he got 103.5 up front and 160 in injury guarantees, which will kick in. Today is the 16th. So on the 20th, Kyler Murray will get $160.5 million in total guarantees in the old escrow. So has been convoluted, diluted, 
conversated upon all of those kinds of things. At this point, I don't really feel the dejection that I think you and I felt for a long time. I, I'm really fascinated. I somewhat kind of feel like this could end up heading into a direction that is unique and has never occurred in NFL history in what Lamar Jackson's direction is. He's a unique player, has a unique skill set, has done things on a football field that I will go as far as to say that no one has ever done before as well, and has gone deeper into bigger contract negotiations without an agent than anyone else has. So it's a weird, unique, unprecedented situation. We've gotten some clarity to this point, and now we're at the mercy of the 31 remaining teams that could negotiate. And I guess that's kind of where we are. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it from that perspective a little bit too, where I'm maybe a little more emotionally removed from it. I, I still get fired up here and there, like a little bit, like when you mentioned like all this stuff coming out, like we, I guess maybe haven't brought up yet that uh, it came out in the form of him tweeting about it uh, and sort of quote unquote breaking that uh, or breaking the quote unquote truth that DaCosta was talking about to an extent, although the Ravens have kind of really done that on their own too, right? They're talking to Rappaport, they're talking to Jeremy Fowler, they're talking to Schefter, like this stuff is getting out from both sides. So we don't, they don't have to play pious about that, which I don't think they are, but you know, that's kind of where it's at. And I think, yeah, over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to thankfully remove myself from it, maybe look at it from a, a state of emotional detachment where it is sort of to your point, I don't know if entertaining is the right word, but it definitely is really fascinating. Like I've kind of in the last couple of years, like I don't really know Jack squat about like how business actually works, but you know, I've read a couple business books like den of thieves, barbarians at the gate. Like these are like just really like classic books about like big business mergers and stuff like that. And it's a language that I don't really understand particularly, but like you're talking about the human element of people negotiating against, you know, each other and negotiating big deals and things like that. It's just kind of a fascinating sort of different type of battlefield where the football field is one type of battlefield and the real battlefield is one type of battlefield. And then you talk about, you know, business negotiations like this, they're that in its own way too. And that's kind of what this has felt like a little bit. And as much as Lamar Jackson is the happy go lucky 26 year old or whatever he is now, like, I think there is an eggs to him that wants to get what he wants to get and he's not going to budge off of it. And the Ravens don't want to budge in his direction uh, all the way. Sounds like they're willing to do it a little bit, but that's what's creating this stalemate. And uh, as annoying as it is for Ravens fans, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It is such bold strategy and chess in these negotiations, in the realm of the NFL, in the eye of the national media and the sports media and the talking heads, that is unprecedented, especially for Baltimore fans. So I understand people feeling certain types of ways about it in any direction, but man, I mean, I just don't know who's going to come in on a white horse and offer a deal that is what he reportedly wants that Deshaun Watson deal. So to me, it was pretty clarifying and I can be interpreting wrong. I can be an idiot. I am an idiot. We're all idiots, whatever. We're all, all we are is dust in the wind. But the fact that he tweeted and said three years, 133 million fully guaranteed. It was like, there is a 99.9% chance that it would have been 170, excuse me, 168 million fully guaranteed that vests in 175. That is the, like that is a groundbreaking contract in itself. Aside from Deshaun Watson, regardless of Deshaun Watson, that amount of money in a 13 month period, less than a 13 month period being put into escrow is unprecedented aside from one instance in the history of the 75 years of the national football league. So I think it's a huge win for him. I think that at the same time, you mentioned the human element. I find it tough to think that he's not pissed off that the Ravens said, you're not getting $45.6 million on the exclusive franchise tag. You're going to get $32 million and you're not going to get whatever deal you want. We will just match whatever is put out there. I don't know that the story of the disgruntled superstar in sports has ever turned into a Hollywood Disney movie championship story. So I don't expect it to end well. I the the holdout would not be surprising. Him going elsewhere would not be surprising. 
I feel like the Ravens, to a degree, were like, I don't know what to do anymore. The, if the reports are true, and Rappaport says they offered him, they offered him Goldilocks, long, short, in the middle, up front, down the line, more fully guaranteed, more total AAV, just everything short of Deshaun Watson. There's nothing else for them to offer him. If they're not going to give him that Deshaun Watson contract, which we at this point know is not happening, then where do you go from here? I don't think Lamar Jackson, and we're in speculation, we're in the reality TV of it. This is not football. This is not the stuff we want to talk about. But I don't think he's coming back with his tail between his legs, taking that contract. I don't think that's an option either. I do. Yeah, so, like, there's. I just. I can't see it happening either. Like he's clearly. This is beyond just the business side of it, or this is beyond just. I want this in my bank account. I think this isn't a one off. This isn't common. No, he wants to make a statement here. I think whether it's the NFLPA telling him that he needs to do this for other players, whether it's him saying I want to do this because I'm just as good as Deshaun Watson, if not better. Whether it's just whether he recognizes to the NFLPA, I can be the one. I can be the Neo that breaks the owners' backs. Yeah. Whether. Any of those things. Yeah, whatever the reason is, it just seems like he's not going to budge off of this thing. And I don't know if I see the Ravens budging off of it either. And to your point, it would be someone's going to have to either swallow their pride here or he's going to have to go somewhere with it where an owner is going to be willing to swallow their pride. And they're, they are going to be willing to be the pariah at the owners meetings and uh, be the guy that followed in Jimmy Haslam's, uh, <laughs> you know, sour footsteps, basically. Uh, and, you know, listen, there's names out there. Like, it would have shocked me if Jim Ursay got into the Vino one night and, uh, you know, started to dream up visions of glory and kind of hoisting the Lombardi Trophy again and uh, decided that he's going to do it. That wouldn't really shock me. But I also don't know if I could see it happening, given where they stand in the draft and the fact that I feel like he's going to want to build through the draft and not, you know, have to come and bring Lamar in who it just feels like he'd be a weird fit in Indy. Like that's, that, that was a big part of Atlanta, right? It's like, he would be such a perfect culture as well. Yeah. Miami. He's a perfect cultural fit. Like they get, he's going to just fall in line and those people are just going to love him and get right behind him. Like it's nothing against the people of Indy, but it's just this kind of stead, sturdy Midwestern town. Like I, I, I don't know if I could see him really fitting in there all that well, especially after like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and then whatever the hell else they've had going on there the last couple of years. I'm sure they take a great quarterback and like it would work out fine, but like I, it's just, it's tough to visualize for one thing. And they're kind of the, the one team that really stands out to me. Like some people have floated San Francisco, like, I don't know if Jed York is going to want to be that guy. Like he seems a little bit more conscientious about his standing I feel amongst like San Francisco's whole thing is that they like don't need to pay a quarterback that much. Yeah. And they, of course they just got Sam Darnold too. So I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, and Sam Darnold is going to be the first 2018 quarterback to go and win a super bowl. So that's, that's huge. My guy, Shani's going to have the full reclamation project going. So that's, that's going to be awesome. But yeah, it just feels like the Ravens called his bluff a little bit. A hundred percent. And it's kind of working out in their favor right now, but is it because is he going to come back and, you know, say, okay, you know what you won. Let's just take the terms of the deal that you're going to offer. I don't know if that's going to happen. And, uh, <laughs> I struggle to imagine him playing football for anyone in 2023 right now is what I'm getting at. I, the, we're not Lamar Jackson. We can't step in his shoes. No one's ever offered us. We can't step into those big red boots. Can't step into those Clifford big red boots. Clifford red baby. But in my world of what I know in the professional world, if an employer generally said, you want a promotion? No. Go find one elsewhere. I'm going to personally not feel happy with that employer, especially immediately. So again, I just don't know that this path, this track leads to a happy ending and white slippers and boots and gloves and everybody, you know, clinking glasses and feeling fantastic. It feels like such a crazy circumstance, especially considering where Lamar Jackson and the Ravens came together, trading back into the first round. This huge thing. Oh, my God. They still have Joe Flacco. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? His rookie year, 2019, all of those things. This has been a wild path, and I feel like I know that we're at the end of it. Hold out, trade, whatever, but it's crazy. Is he about to turn into Rico Bosco? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. 
takes the takes the offer elsewhere, comes back. For anyone that's that doesn't get that, I'm sorry, but I just I got the image of like that whole thing in my head, and then comparing it to this, and it's just that would be that's just a really hilarious comparison. I mean, Darius Slay had a situation happen where he's like, it's like, all right, well, the Eagles don't want to pay me what I'm supposed to get paid, and then he's a free agent, and he's not actually a free agent. So I don't know, but I think after rambling through this for a while, my moment of clarity is that I think the point of contention between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson is simply Deshaun Watson's contract. And the entire point of the non-exclusive tag is will someone give you that? Will you get that contract? They basically said, here is your chance. Go get the Deshaun Watson contract. If you can get it, go ahead, and we will take less picks. They will take two first-round picks. So that is what's on the table at this point. I think all of it boils down to Lamar Jackson wants fully guaranteed. People will even refute that, which, sure, go ahead. Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson. The Ravens said, we will take even lower trade capital if you can find it. That is straight up it. We're not going to give it to you. If you can get it, God bless you. God bless America. Go ahead. So here we are. And to put the put the does that end well? Probably not. Yeah, and to put like what the the way that he framed the offer, and I'm not saying that he was like lying or whatever or didn't understand it, but like he just very plainly laid out what exactly was fully guaranteed at signing where he said the one thirty three thing. And he was correct in what he was saying, but to put that in context, here's a tweet from Albert Breer uh, with Lamar Jackson on the market. And these are in the terms that he's talking about it and in terms of what's actually guaranteed. Here's the list. Fully of the, guaranteed. Here's the list of the top five full guarantees on contracts in NFL history. One, Deshaun Watson, Browns, 230 million. Two, Russell Wilson, Broncos, 119 million. Three, Kyler Murray, Cardinals, 103.3. Four, Aaron Rodgers, 101.4. Josh Allen, Bills, 98.3 at five. So he still would be number two with what he's talking about. And maybe it's like the three-year deal thing was a sticking point for some people. I don't even really know if that's like true because like maybe he could have been talking about that as like when all of that money would have been guaranteed. And then like after that, there would have been non-guaranteed years or whatever. So it's a big mess. But I mean, in terms of what he's talking about, he still would be number two, but that does prove that it is a sticking point that that's not good enough. Number two. two. Yeah, he sees himself as like, I'm every bit as good as Deshaun Watson. I'm more accomplished at the very least. Like, give me what Jeremy that guy Fowler got. did report probably two months ago, three months ago, that the Ravens could be as far as $100 million off with Lamar Jackson. Weird. Yeah. It's about exactly $100 million from Lamar Jackson's fully guaranteed amount to Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed amount. Lamar Jackson wants straight up Tony Soprano style wire me that money, put that in escrow, that's mine. Now, the total guarantees don't seem to matter to him. The quote-unquote springing guarantees, which I think is a vessel of impropriety that it is, roster bonuses that are not guaranteed but would be later, hypothetically. He says, give me basically a quarter of a billion dollars today. That is what he wants. So here we are. I think that is, I think for all of the Greg Roman talk and all of the Ravens talk and their report card and the receivers and the playoffs and the games missed and yada, 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 yada. It is simply the fully guaranteed amount. And the Ravens said, if you can go get that, go ahead. We will let you go. What do we know about the Ravens? Also, what do, and this is our thing, I think, and why some people listen to the show and why others freak out on Twitter. From what I know about the Ravens, they will accommodate a player's wishes and let them go test market or go to another. They traded Orlando Brown. They traded Hollywood Brown. They got it done quickly and early. If you don't, they, it's the Mike Tomlin quote, which is stolen of whatever, but Mike Tomlin said it very recently. We want volunteers, 
not captives. So if you want to go out and test the world, go ahead. Here we'll see. And this will, I mean, I think it ultimately is a point of impasse still, no matter what. I don't see it ending in a Super Bowl. I don't see it ending in rainbows and sunshine and gumdrops and fairy tales and kisses and hugs. But I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah, it just like, and I think part of the reason that the non-exclusive felt like a weight lifted for me was it felt like we were going to get quick resolution because I was thinking like, okay, well, then somebody will swoop in and they'll make an offer and the Ravens are, will match it, which was my preference, and he'll stay in town or he'll leave and they'll get hopefully a good first round pick and they can take closure. Bryce you Young this closure. year and we'll move on and we'll have closure and we can, to your point, we can start talking about football again. And that didn't happen. And I wanted there to, I wanted them to A, come to an agreement, B, match an agreement, have him stay in town, C, leave have him leave town and get the good first round picks and then start over none of that is going to happen it doesn't seem like so we're just going to stay stuck in limbo here and uh to your point about all the free agency moves happening and yeah there aren't that you know a, a crazy amount of big names on the market or anything like that but the ravens are they're still kind of handcuffed by this whole thing as much as it felt good to see that non-exclusive thing come across they the wire you're sitting flexed with their fists up ready for the most dramatic amount of money humanly possible during this time like they are clinched, they are tight butthold, ready to strike against whatever. Wow. They're prepared to make a two hundred million dollar offer or completely not. And I think they're a little bit lucky. This free agent class is not impact players left and right. Orlando Brown, Javon Hargrave, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, probably missing one or two, whatever, you know, a couple guys, but it's not like there are 7, 10, 12, Jesse Bates. There's not like 12. Dude, when, when Ben five. Powers was like the one of the first big names off the board and he's he goes to the Broncos, I was like, damn, like good player. But like, man, that, that was like one of the premier names this year. Like I, I hadn't even like thought of him in that light. Definitely. So somewhat works in that favor. I mean, they don't have a lot of draft picks and <laughs> they don't, they haven't done anything in free agency. They... To your point, like people they've lost guys. I mean, they so you, people, you you release Calais Campbell, right? Like you get rid of so you get rid of some of these guys. You trade Chuck Clark. Takes a pay cut. Michael Pierce takes a pay cut. You're you know not tendering Geno Stone. You're getting the minimum out of him. They also signed Justice Hill, which people are fucking up in arms about. Sure, okay, whatever. But good player. Yeah, there's no there's no reprieve of them releasing their fists. They are ready to jab back. They're ready to counterattack. They are tight butthold and they will remain. So I mean, <laughs> this situation, the, the, the funnest part of this in my mind, I believe is until almost the trade deadline, he remains capable of offer sheets coming in. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so through the season, there's always going to be that clench of, is someone going to yada, yada, yada. At this point, the Falcons have spent a bunch of money. There's not any team. And they signed Heineke. Has, there's not any team that has the capacity to really blow the Ravens out of the water. So to me, that says they want to keep Lamar Jackson. I just, I just don't know how this ends up in a happily married couple. You can't. Usually, usually when someone tells someone that they – I need to be married by this time. I want to start having kids. I want to do this. I want to do that. You're, you need to propose to me faster. Usually that doesn't end up in a happy marriage in, in what I've known. And that kind of seems what, like what it's like the, the big old diamond ring, the $250 million contract or whatever it is feels like uh, is, is being pressed for and there's reluctancy. So you can't, you can't Man. shake hands. You can't shake hands with a clenched fist. Little Jacob GTA four. There you go. So beautifully said. Yeah. So that's that. the The stalemate continues. It feels like the Cuban Missile Crisis episode of Mad Men. Everyone's just sitting around waiting for the bi the big bomb to drop, and you don't know when it's going to come. It could be today. It could be six months from now. It could never happen. So that's that's what this is going to be for the foreseeable future. And uh, honestly, it's fine. Like you said, I think we're we're a little more fascinated by it at this point than anything. Uh, it would be nice to see them I make think, some new. I just think something unprecedented is coming. 
yeah, one way or the other, I think you're 100% right. That's the only way to look at it. But it would be nice to see them be able to make some moves. You've got Corey Davis potentially coming on the block, which could be their their free agency uh, wide receiver. It could be Adam Thielen, who I know you're super fucking pumped about uh, if that were to happen. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be bargain bing shopping if they make any moves at all. And to your point, not a lot of draft picks to work with here. So going to be anticipating a trade back uh, in the first round uh, if everything stays as it is. And uh, you just try to build up this team around the guy making $34.5 million or whatever it is. And uh, if he plays, you, you try to go and make a run at it. And we're just going to stay in purgatory. But I don't know. Like like we've been hinting at, could be a Jim Irsay. Could be somebody gets desperate and uh, slides in and uh, makes that makes that offer to him. And, uh, man, if it's anything shorter to Sean Watson, the Ravens are probably just going to match it. So that's where we're at. Perfect summary. Cool. So that is all we've got on the Lamar Jackson situation. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned some of the housekeeping notes with Ben Powers leaving town with Calais Campbell getting released. So that was a situation where he got released and immediately uh, some people, myself included, were like, eh, he'll probably just be back, uh, you know, post haste here. But then he released some statement where he was, you know, saying something, I think through Josina Anderson, maybe where it's like, I love Baltimore, ETC, yada, 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 but maybe it's time to move on. Uh, something to that effect. So it sounds like he may be testing out his free agent market uh, yet again as he continues to climb up in his late 30s. Uh, so he is going to be gone. That is unfortunate. And uh, let me see if I can pull up some of these other moves. Ravens re-sign long snapper Nick Moore in a huge move that is going to solidify that long snapping position for, uh, I think, a two-year contract. So that's great to see. They reach a deal with Geno Stone after they released him. That was one that I was surprised to see them release him uh, because he had played pretty well uh, in stretches last season. He also got taken advantage of. He's not like the most athletic player on the back end there, but uh, he has a, he just, he's one of those guys to me that he, in the FIFA, when they have that special something next to their name, he's got that special something, right? He's got the flair. He can make some plays and uh, it's nice to have a guy like he's that. In yeah. It's, it's nice to have a guy well, like that. I think that's actually a really good way to put it. He will make, if you trot him out for 40, 50 snaps, he'll make two or three plays. He, he, he's not a super experienced player, has made mistakes, has gotten taken, gotten, you know. If you're looking at the Ravens defense without Marcus Williams and you're saying, where do we attack? I would probably go after the safety that has started like five games previously and so on and so forth. So Geno Stone is a great depth dime safety. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So he'll be nice to have back for uh, another year as that contract is going to stand. So that's big. And then they, (laughs) of fucking course they do this. They uh, place the restricted free agent tender on Tyler Huntley, their uh, backup quarterback and at times starting quarterback over the last couple of years. So even he's not even really locked down here uh, as things stand. I'm, I'm not totally sure what the thing is on that, but he, he was unrestricted. He was undrafted. So I think, is it the Ravens? Like, the Ravens get the opportunity to match any offer made to him. Okay. So if the Packers said, "Here's two years, forty million dollars," the Ravens could match it. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like where you would offer whatever draft pick that he was. So it's yeah, whatever offer he gets, they would match that. So I don't anticipate anyone being hot in the pants for Tyler Huntley. I know there's been all these opinions about the guy that, oh yeah, future starter. But to me, that was just talking heads like the Trey Wingos of the world that watch one game and they're like, oh, this guy's promising. You know, I, I don't think anyone that actually is watching these games. I think Tyler Huntley has done enough in his career to prove that he belongs in the NFL yeah. for like three plus more years. Yeah, he'll be he'll be a career backup and he'll make some good money and good for him. Good, good young guy. I have no Great. interest in seeing uh, amazing for him. He's going to get a pension. He's going to get vested. He's in a good spot. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's great to see. Like I said, he's, he's handled himself really well and like what's low key been kind of a tough situation for him the last couple of years. So uh, it's good to see him stick through that. And uh, he, to your point is going to wind up okay, regardless of whether it's somewhere else or in Baltimore, Baltimore, where I expect him to remain. And I think they are expecting him to remain too, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, a couple other big moves around in the league. And I think one thing that caught my eye was obviously uh, of course the fucking Bengals swooping in and signing Orlando Brown last night. So for all the uh, stuff about the left tackle and things like that, I just I hope to God we don't have to do another year of the a Bengals player forcing this like revenge game narrative against the Ravens. I have a feeling it's going to happen uh, after Hayden Hurst just kind of you know 
shook that asshole. Orlando Brown is a Raven, though. That's the thing. Like in his blood, he's a Raven. Yeah, I think like I think that's why I think it's probably not going to happen. But I was having some fun on Twitter. A little more silly, arm punching Charlie Horsey than like a fist fight. Yeah, he'll he'll probably make some comments of like, hey, you know, just you know, hoping to show them what they're uh, you know. Yeah, they did did what he wanted to do. Yeah, you want to go elsewhere? Here you go. We, they, you go, they put him in position to go win a Super Bowl. They hooked him the fuck up. Dude, he not only did he go win a Super Bowl, but he has now played with Lamar Jackson. He's played with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to play with fucking Joe Burrow. The guy's like Very cool. hitting the Very lottery, cool. hitting the lottery at quarterback in the modern era. So that's big for him. I'm happy for him. He's going to solidify that left side of their offensive line. And uh, yeah, good kid, you know, grew up in the area. It's not a Hayden Hurst situation, I don't think, but uh, it. Just with the way his personality works, it, it just feels like maybe something could one day, uh, one day pop off here. But yeah, he he winds up there in Cincy. There will be a comment somewhere along the line or something. But I think uh, that's that's fun. I want that. That's rivalry. That's fun. Yeah. Say something. Do something. No, that's true. Yeah, you don't need like everyone to be a class act and everyone loves we each other. We don't. We don't need a a thousand Manila envelopes. We can have some fun. And I think that's what the two thousand Ravens ESPN thirty for thirty taught us was like. Let's crank this shit back up. Let's make this fun again. Let's hate each other in a fun way. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, seems like that rivalry is hopefully going to continue. Maybe the Ravens can uh, strike a decisive blow in 2023. Uh, With the way things that are shaping up now, it looks like the Bengals are probably still going to be the division favorite, but a lot can change between now and then. But, yeah, they get Orlando Brown Jr. They get stronger along that offensive line for sure. So, that's good for them. Um, Miles Jack is out in Pittsburgh. Devin Bush is too. They signed the kid from uh, Cole Holcomb. Yeah, exactly. Cole Holcomb from uh, Washington. So I don't know if that's like an addition by subtraction type deal, but uh, they've got some reshuffling going on there. Uh, Brownies, are they really making any moves? I feel like they they restructured Watson to make some room for themselves, but uh, that, I think that only increases cap hit. So that that whole situation is strange. They bought themselves maneuverability today. They'll have less tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, not not a whole lot in terms of really big name signings, like you said, around the league. Aaron Rodgers the goes. Holes have been plugged. That's that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. It's just you're you're kind of reshuffling the deck chairs and trying to trying to strengthen yourself little by little, as opposed to making the big splashes. But one big splash, obviously. <laughs> Peace and love, fucking Aaron Rodgers going on, uh, coming out of the darkness retreat and going on Pat McAfee and uh, just playing that peace and love card. And oh man, uh, I was going to retire and everything was great between me and the Packers. 90%, 90% going into my mud hole. I was going to retire. Yeah. 90%, yeah, I'm fucking sure, Aaron. I'm sure you were going to turn down another $100 million over the next two years. I'm sure. I, I love it. We love it. Him and, and I, the just, Cowboys I love, like I love the. I love the people of Green Bay so much. They're so great to me, and I love the Packers organization. But really, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to be happy, and I want the Jets to be happy, and I want them to be happy. And really, they're the ones holding this process up. You know, it uh, things used to be great back in the Ted Thompson, Mark Murphy days, and that's not how it is. It's it was just a fucking masterclass of like forcing someone's hand and like trying to like play the victim and like pretend like you're like not like this kind of operator that you are like that guy is just that guy's on another level of Gosling playing Aaron Rodgers. It really is like he's just he's he's (laughs) there there needs to be like a Hulu like you know show made about this guy where they do like ten episodes. What the fuck, dude? He's fucking doing what Brett Favre did. You're a fucking conformist, Aaron Rodgers. You are the thing that you don't want to be. You are common. You are following the path of Brett Favre. You're going to the Jets. You did the exact same thing. You're acting the exact same way. You get into the sussy stuff. You are a conformist. You are a conforming, average, normal person, Aaron Rodgers. That is all I have to say to you. I love you. You're a normal, conforming person. No, it's it's truly it's amazing. Like the the whole hippie routine, but he's really just being super fucking passive aggressive. The, the tech, he's like the Texas hippie now too. That's the best part. Yeah, like he, you know, he should live like in you know somewhere on the outskirts of Austin. You know, like uh, <laughs> trying he's to like miles out from Austin, but he's there every day. Yeah, but he's like in in you know he's partying on you know Dirty Six still, and you know he's he's going to on it and like hanging out with Aubrey Marcus and taking psychedelics. Like he's just, he's just a total, total yuppie scum quarterback. And uh, it's, it's incredible to see. And uh, Jets, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he could go there and do some things and they could win 10 games for sure. Um, but yeah, this, this whole thing is just, it's, I, I am more entertained by it. Like I was, I was kind of annoyed with him with like the vaccine stuff and all that, but I don't know. 
it's all ancient history now and he's just sort of like a He's just a fly that just keeps buzzing around, you know, and uh, it might only be for another year or two. It's so, reality TV season. It really is. Yeah. So en- enjoy the theatrics of it. We love football, but you got to enjoy some theatrics of the off the field stuff, too. And this is uh, this is truly high theater with McAfee welcoming him on and uh, just nodding his head and saying, hell yeah, as he just fucking opines about like God knows what for hours upon hours. So. <laughs> she got out. So, yeah. Anything else from free agency? The agents are free. They are. The agents are, in fact, free. Well, that was a tight 45. A lot of it dominated by Lamar Jackson, of course. Some of it on the Terps, which was great to talk about. Love talking Terps. They advanced to play Alabama, and uh, hopefully that is not going to be a bloodbath, but uh, we're going to be rooting them on all the way, uh, and we're going to be rooting for the Ravens here. As free agency continues, starting to get a little little horny for the Orioles here. Couple couple weeks out, oh, man. Oh, baby, Gunnar Henderson's hitting like one twenty five, and they're starting to is he is he Jared Kalinick part? Two? I want it. I want Gunnar Henderson. I w- I want Gunnar Henderson. I want Gunnar Henderson. I'm going to say this. I want Gunnar Henderson to struggle for like a month and a half so that there are takes. I want takes on Gunnar Henderson because I know as soon as that Alabama boy gets into seventy five degree May June. He's the Alabama Slamma is putting up 27 plus home runs, 80 plus RBIs. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. I'm the ready. Ball actually travels farther in humidity, which is something people don't realize either because water vapor thinner molecules. Than air. Yeah. So yeah. Molecularity. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm I'm I do like the takes too. It reminds me of when Adley like first came up and he was just like playing like absolute shit to be fair, but it's like, hey, can we settle down on this guy? Like give him a little bit of time and then he just turned around really quickly. So that'll be fine. And uh yeah, I'm starting to start- interesting conversation I did have today with one of my best friends, one of my and and loves the Orioles. I actually used to work for the Orioles and their PR and marketing. One of my best friends here in Vermont. He, I, I started getting into, he was like, dude, Adley needs to hit 285. Like Adley needs to hit 30 bombs. And I was like, dude, Adley can hit 250. He's going to have such good command of the staff. And he goes, who, Matt Weeders? And I was like, oh my fucking God. He can't hit two. Adley can't hit 250. He has to hit 280. I fully agree. He has to be what Weeders was supposed to be, he has to be Joe Mauer. He has to be Joe Mauer. Yeah, well, Weeder, yeah, Weeder's supposed to be Johnny Banks, and then I think Joe Mauer came out at the and same Matt time. Weeder was so good. He was so good. He just wasn't as good as sold. No, yeah, I agree. And he, I think he's going to be better than Weeders. I mean, he's got the plus bat, which I think Weeders lacked for consistency of. And once he got into the groove, he showed that he did have that consistency. And then he's got all the leadership qualities, if not more. I mean, Weeders wasn't, you know, bouncing his little ass out there to shake guys' hands at the end of every inning. So, I mean, that's really. That's a big thing. And, uh, you know, he's got the it factor that I think as much as I loved weeders, he was kind of, kind of a zero from a personality standpoint a little bit in some ways. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm all in. And I think, you know, it's not really that hot of a take to say that I'm all in on Adley Rutschman, but, uh, I, I do think he's going to live up to all the potential. I think he already is. And the social media strategy we're with horny. this team, we're, we're just horny. We're just horny. We are horny. And the social media strategy for this team, just putting all these college hunks in rooms together, doing bits like it's, it's great. It the and that's the other the other conversation we got into. I honestly should have him come in this room right now. But the other conversation we got into was like, well, what if they only win seventy seven games? What if they only win eighty games? Whatever. But I feel that there is a level of fixation to sports in some degree, and I think the MLB is looking at the Orioles and all these flowing blonde all American boys, and they are hornier than we are. They want the Orioles. They want them bad. They are the antithesis of what has existed in baseball. The Rays and the in and the Guardians and all that stuff, you know, whatever. They're not, it's not some new idea, moneyball, all that stuff. But what they have with the lefties and the flowing hair and the Santanders and the Jorge Mateos in there integrated, I think, are getting the MLB PR social media marketing aspect pretty fired up, pretty horny. So I think that is my tipping point of knowing the Orioles will hit over 76 and a half wins this season, which is preposterous. Please bet your mortgage on it. 
Uh, Jake will pay it if that doesn't No, nope, I will. Yep. It is hot. It is sexy and it turns them on. And best part of my morning is staring at it. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I guess that's, that's our Orioles chat is that we're, we're just horny and we're a couple weeks away. So really pumped up for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, check out coverage of that, uh, on both pods and we'll, we'll be writing about it on the website too, Been getting some blogs up there, mostly Raven stuff. Want to get some other stuff in there. I'm too. actually really excited to write about the Orioles. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So the X52podcast.com for all of that. Stay tuned to the pod here for all of our takes, for all of Taylor, Eric, and Brian's takes. We're going to be going live uh, at the end of the month, so probably two weeks from now. Uh, do a monthly little live show uh, where you guys can interact with us a little bit and, uh, yeah, basically do what we did when we first sat down and uh, banged out a pod together, but uh, just in live format. So we, we want to make the live show kind of a, uh, a little bit more of an event as opposed to just doing it every single time. So uh, keep an eye out for podcasts on the podcast feed and on YouTube, but uh, we'll be going live uh, periodically as well. It'll be more than just once a month, but we're definitely doing the once a month thing too. So yeah, keep an eye out for all that. Exciting things happening here. Anything else before I send you back to the beautiful snowy night of Vermont? We'll be getting into the NFL draft. We'll be getting into prospects. We've we've kind of dingled around a little bit. We'll be getting into that next week too. So yeah, we will. That's been tough. That's been, like we've been talking about this whole thing is kind of sucking. Everything's been tough. It's everything. The oxygen has been sucked out of this offseason by the, the Lamar thing and you know, there's no end of that in sight, but we are going to give it our honest best shot uh, with doing we'll a big board. College, we're going to give it our best college try as we as we have. Yeah. So we're going to have a, uh, you know, for anyone that listened uh, to beat down, we're going to try to do a beat down big board type thing where we get a bracket together of uh, all our favorite prospects and um, yeah, vote on that leading up into the draft. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that, too. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, before we get out of here, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow the podcast at the exit 52 podcast on Twitter. I am at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four dummies. That is the number four in the middle there. Check us out on Instagram too. exit 52 podcast, trying to grow that bad boy. And then, like I said, website is the exit 52 podcast.com. Thanks guys. Enjoy your weekend. And we will talk to you again very soon. See you. Arrivederci.